my name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And I am a human. Yes. I, okay, so last week uh, there was the, the AI-generated episode. Well, semi-generated. You fed it data. Uh, yeah, I, I asked the questions. Yes. Like and a good, I'm not going to make a joke, but yes, I asked the questions. Uh, uh, when I was listening it, to it, I didn't realize that one of those voices was sampled from you. I thought it was some guy from the office that I didn't know personally. Uh, but yeah, it's because it was your voice, more or less, but with like a... With West... like an American... Ish accent. American West Coast accent, yeah. It yeah. never occurred to me that that was meant to be you. Yeah. yeah. At no point in last week's show did any human interact with a microphone. Mm-hmm. Which I think is truly... Like, that's why I was asking about the singularity. Mm-hmm. Or why I typed in questions about the singularity and uh, had them had them respond to it. Did you think it was creepy? I, I mean, I think there's an element of it that was maybe a little bit... Uh, a little bit creepy. Well, the number one thing that jumped out at me is when they said that they had no bias, but the way that they framed it or phrased it, I mean, every single time they talked about bias, it was phrased the exact same way, word for word, which is a bias because that would be a script that it was following. And uh, uh, this I do know about that when they first originally released it, they just used the internet. Yeah. Uh, between quotation marks, uppercase I, as the corpus for its data gathering. And the original form of ChatGDP uh, was pretty racy. Um, apparently it was charming enough. It just had a pretty, uh, let's say, Jimmy Carr sense of humor. And uh, uh, if you're not familiar with Jimmy Carr, I guess you could say Richard Pryor, I guess. Um, but anyway, uh, so they, they put a whole bunch of filters on there because it was, uh, yeah, it was just a pretty little, you know, racy individual. It did talk like a Twitch streamer. Um, and all those filters have come out uh, with a lot of the... I don't think it's appropriate to make jokes like that. We should all be respectful of people. And yeah, it, it was a little bit pro forma, I think. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, okay, let's back it up. Let's ask the same question another way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, I am sorry. And yeah. I'm like, did the Canadian program this? Like, what's going on? Like, this is, yeah, it was a bit of a challenge to, when asking it the right questions, I think the answers were very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly a little telling. And I, I try to get across that ChatGBT, I believe, could be an incredible tool, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way as my Instant Pot is an incredible tool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Throw some things in there. Hour later, boom, you've got a whole awesome looking stew. Uh, you can clearly tell where my culinary expertise lies. Mm-hmm. But, and the same thing with ChatGPT. Put in the right inputs and you will get a decent yeah. output in some form or another. And it did talk a lot about bias, but it, it also had a few political biases as well. So it was talking about power and privilege was a very specific lens of seeing things. So, I mean, I, I've seen people starting to talk about things in terms of uh, dominance and frequency instead of power and privilege. So... We don't see more straight stories because heterosexual people have more power and privilege, but because there's just way more of them. So they're going to make more stories and they're appealing to larger audiences. So you're going to see more of it. So, I mean, there's some of that as well that like it's not not all low frequencies of LGBT content is homophobia. It could just be that there's just way more straight people. So, of course, there's going to be more straight content in the world. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about power and privilege. I'm going to push back a little bit because I think the dynamic or the understanding through a 
power and privilege lens is important. You know, if the decision making as to what stories get made I'm is just only by straight people, then... that's not the only lens through which yeah. to see things. But, but that's the only lens that the AI was using. Well, I asked it. You know, yeah. if you first of all, I asked how many gay people are there. Yeah. You know, between three and five percent. And I said, if you were to write a hundred stories, how many of them would be gay? Yeah. You know, thinking, would the answer be? But I think at the end of the day, what really came home to me is that in all of its intelligence, mm-hmm. it still defaults to the most common denominator. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's like, I think they've, the the architects of ChatGPT have learned that uh, maybe they should err on the side of just nameless, gender-neutral characters mm-hmm. and then uh, allow you to add in the specificity. But, I don't know, I think it was an interesting exploration of where we are right now. I, I enjoyed synthesizing the voices and, and I don't know, it, it was... Uh, a bizarre moment to mm-hmm. to produce a show where it's radio or podcast and I've never said a word into a microphone. This is the first time I've spoken about this uh, into a microphone. Hmm. And it was a week later. Yeah. So, yeah, it was certainly uh, a little bit creepy. Did you did you appreciate the Rufus, Rufus Wainwright uh, song that was made? You know, two two brothers in radio mm-hmm. set frequencies apart. You know, really, all it made me realize is that Rufus Wainwright writes like a disappointing. Um, oh, who's the one who actually wrote Hallelujah in the first place? Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. Yeah, he his lyrics are like a disappointing Leonard Cohen, and he sings like a baritone Harry Nilsson with cotton balls in his mouth. So I would rather just listen to Leonard Cohen and Harry Nilsson. I'm not really a Rufus Wainwright fan. I'm also not a Rufus Wainwright fan. And actually, I uh, I was speaking with another host on mm-hmm. the radio show at CIUT. And uh, they apparently were a Rufus Wainwright fan. And I said, I find him unbelievably dirgy, as in, you know, I expect that to be a soundtrack to a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um which there is like a whole genre of gay men singing slow, dirty, droning, pop-ish music. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there is, like Rufus Wainwright is maybe the epitome of the example, but mm-hmm. he is like a category of gay male pop singers. Like we struggle to find gay men doing upbeat. It's either like Elton John or a funeral song. Like, those are those mm. seem to be the radical ends of the spectrum. Um, anyway, I just couldn't... I, I thought it would... Maybe, maybe we should have gone to make a Tegan and Sarah song. That would have been... I mean, that would have been better. Thankfully, um, people like Sam Sparrow exist, if you remember yes, him. Yes. Sort of 90s piano loop style house music and uh, Scissor Sisters. I mean, there, there's, there's exceptions out there, but I do know what you're saying. And when you listen to folk music, like, if you want acoustic LGBT music that's upbeat, you're really looking at lesbians. Yes. You're looking yes. at the Indigo yeah. Girls. You're looking at early Ani DeFranco. You're looking I, at Melissa I had, a, I had a conversation with Jake. We've been watching Philomena Kunk and uh, <laughs> uh-huh. On Earth on Netflix uh-huh. for as long as we currently have Netflix. 
um, and they were talking about Galileo Galilei, mm. and Jake's like, that's his name? I was like, how did you not know it was Galileo Galilei? Mm. And then I realised that I only know it's Galileo Galilei from the Indigo Girls. Mm. <laughs> and their song by the same name. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe, maybe my general knowledge of, you know, astronomers are based in lesbian folk anthems. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the world we live in. All right, let's jump to our first song, and that is Progress Shark. I see. You see. Now, Progress Shark is the unofficial mascot and icon for Sydney's World Pride. What? So, are you going to... What are we doing here? (laughs) So, last week, the Australian Museum unveiled Mm. their, their shark that is sort of... Um, beclothed in a rainbow flag. Is Australia uh, known for sharks? Well, um, yeah. Yeah, like on the beaches. If I think of Australian sea life, I think manta rays. Well, I mean, that is a very specific vision of Australian sea life. <laughs> I was thinking giant turtles or maybe man wars or something. Are they turtles um, or tortoises? you got to be careful. Uh, both. Okay. Yeah, so it is a part of the Rainbow uh, Sydney Rainbow City Initiative, mm-hmm. where organisations are encouraged to install rainbow monuments uh, in advance of World Pride, which is happening later in uh, this month, I think, okay. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, being it's in Australia, obviously it's nice and sunny and hot and beautiful there, uh, unlike here, which is... None of the above. <laughs> so, well, it's just because they're on the opposite season. They're on the opposite yeah, season, yeah. yeah. So World Pride is happening in Sydney, and the Australian Museum have announced their uh, rainbow shark, and people adore it. Well, I'm glad they went with that, not just a kangaroo or a koala, which is a, I'm, I'm sure most people would. I'm going to try and show you rainbow shark. Okay, yes. Yes. Okay, yes. All right, yes. So you've seen Rainbow Shark. Yes, I have, yes. Yeah. I feel like Rainbow Shark is just a gay spin-off of a Sharknado movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's got got that that vein to it, you know? It looks like a regular shark wearing a a body suit. That's someone, like a a rainbow bodysuit. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's been called Progress Shark. Um, I thought it was going to be a cartoon shark. No, no, it's... Well, it's not a real shark. It's like a giant shark statue. Um, you know, the best way to describe it is if anyone's been to the Museum of Nature or um, the ROM and you see these giant, uh, you know, plaster models of various animals, mm-hmm. imagine a big old plaster model of a shark that someone has painted the rainbow flag onto. Got it. Got yeah, it, got yeah. It. Now, we're, now we're all caught up. Mm-hmm. But yes. And this is music related? No, not remotely. I just thought it was... It's it's good to check in on our cousins across the globe. Okay. And in advance of World Pride, everyone is talking about Rainbow Shark. I see. So that's uh, that's where we're going to start off. But the big news story that I wanted to kick off today with, and not related to painted uh, sea life, is a gentleman by the name of Aziz has taken the government of Canada to court... Mm -hmm. Over sperm. Okay, okay. His own? His own sperm. Got it, Yes, got it. yes. Uh, I mean... 
Does that he, was a good question, actually. Does he want it back or does he want more of it? No, he wants less of it. Oh. He wants less of his own sperm. And the reason why I bring this up is because currently Health Canada has a directive that prohibits gay and bisexual men from donating their sperm to specifically a sperm bank mm -hmm. uh, unless they have crossed their legs and been abstinent for three months or you know who you're donating your sperm to. Now, I'm sure, as in life, if you know who you're donating your sperm to, if the whole process becomes a lot easier, as yeah. it were, uh, less complicated. But when you don't know who you're donating it to, uh, typically speaking, the government gets involved. So he wants to know why, specifically, gay and bisexual men are being omitted uh, under the safety of sperm, uh, sperm and over-regulation um, policy mm -hmm. uh, despite all and this was the same issue as the blood ban mm -hmm. you know what does this policy actually achieve besides stopping uh, monogamous long-term relationship people from donating sperm mm -hmm. uh, every single sample is subject to screening okay. every single sample is tested and every single sample is given a six-month quarantine before being used which reminds me of the blood you know Hema uh, Quebec and the Canadian blood services were adamant that they test every drop of blood uh, but if every drop of blood is tested why have blanket bans on people donating blood like it right. just it, it didn't seem uh, didn't seem reasonable. Anyway, he's taken, the, uh, he's filed with the Superior Court of Ontario uh, on the basis that it violates the right to equality under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. What do you think? Uh, I think this is just one of those little oversights where things were brought in and then they forgot to roll things back. I don't, I don't know if this is targeted. It sounds just like the the dredges of policies that made sense in the mid 80s that no one's really gotten around to questioning i mean at its core that was that was the blood ban that's yeah yeah it was the <coughs> panic over uh the transmission of aids uh sorry the transmission of hiv which yeah. could uh, escalate to aids and that in combination with the unfortunate reality and this is true around the world people say this about like i don't know totalitarian governments but like even canada the uk australia the us have this problem it is easier to convince a government to restrict rights than to give people more rights yeah exactly it's, yeah so undoing a restriction is a pain in the patoot absolute almost massive pain almost doesn't in the matter where you are in the world or what you're trying to deregulate it's just it, that for some reason this is a political issue around the world yeah. so it takes time it shouldn't but it does um... you know i i suspect that you're right that this is an oversight we had the blood ban in place for many years mm -hmm. and uh we fought it and then the liberal government was like yes this is outrageous we will end it uh in reality they ended it slowly bit by bit over the course of their entire tenor it was like eight years or something yeah yeah we're gonna go from a, an indefinite ban to 10 years to mm. five years to three years to three months mm -hmm. uh, and now uh, if you're curious as to where they ended up uh, they are now asking you questions based on your actual sexual risk mm -hmm. when donating blood mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to your just overall gender identity or sexual orientation right so um canadian blood services uh seem to have caught on to the science uh 
Mm-hmm. Um, and are now screening based on risk. And I think what this uh, Toronto-based gentleman has identified is uh, just one of those uh, left-behind policies and regulations. Mm-hmm. Do I think an email to the minister could achieve the same thing versus legal action in the Superior Court? I don't know. Do we know the backstory about whether or not he tried that? Did he try an email first? Did he email the MP um, and, and go from there? But, you know, sometimes if the past 10 years of uh, the blood ban has mm. proven anything, is that often the only solution is legal action mm. uh, to, to force the hand of the government to actually move uh, on, on these items. All right, we are going to jump to our first track of the day, and that is going to be... Savage Garden's affirmation. Mm-hmm. Savage Garden, uh, apparently not gay. I was surprised to learn this. I'm not sure. Oh, you're not sure? You asked me if I remembered, and my answer was, I don't remember clearly. I think they might be. I know they were popular in the gay community, though. Yeah, but there was, we were listening to something, and I think it was uh, another radio show, and they said, I believe, I believe, I believe, and all I could think of was this song. It was just running in the background. Um, this is one of uh, Savage Garden's less lesser known tracks. Okay. Uh, it's not truly madly deeply. Um, uh, this is Affirmation, and we will be back just after this.
And uh, we have discovered that, well, I discovered Savage Garden was Australian. I did not realize they were Australian. I find it shocking you didn't know that. I, yes. And, uh, did also, you know that men at work were Australian? I did know that men at work are Australian. <laughs> and uh, do you know what's really frustrating is... Uh, Sia is Australian. Okay, I think Kylie I Minogue that. is Australian. Well, everyone knows Kylie Minogue is Australian. Somebody, well, you didn't know Savage Garden was Australian. Well, so yeah. That. Well, I mean, Savage Garden is one thing, but you know, the you know, Angel of uh, Neighbors is a whole another thing entirely. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. Okay, um, before we go rattling through all the Australians that we know, um, don't forget about the Hemsworths. Uh-huh. Just all of them, every okay. Hemsworth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's no one named Hemsworth outside of Australia. Is my theory. That's I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, okay. Where was I going with this? Yes, Savage Garden, Australian. More you know. All right, let's jump to our next uh, story. And that is more of a discussion, I think. Right, okay. And it's about Hogwarts Legacy. Uh... Now, Hogwarts Legacy stands to currently be one of the big blockbuster games of the year. Mm -hmm. It is a massive open-world game that Mm -hmm. I believe is most... Currently, at time of recording, available on the PS5, uh, PlayStation 5. I think it might be out on PC, maybe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it has caused some controversy. However, has been absolutely smashing records. Yep. So, most notably, uh, the, the more, more than 1.2 million people watch the new Harry Potter game on Twitch. Okay. Uh, over 100,000 of them on XQC's channel, the live stream that happened recently. Okay. Um, smashing Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. Like, or 2077. I'm not sure which one the common parlance is for that, for that game. But mm-hmm. uh, um, it's interesting because in the run-up to its release, there was a lot of debate around J.K. Rowling's Participation in yes. creation. Yeah. yeah, and the reason why people are concerned about her participation is because of her staunchly anti-trans views that she has uh, not just repeated, uh, but also boosted and promoted. Like, she, she makes no qualms with letting folks know her position on it. Well, I mean... I don't think she is anti-trans. If you were to say she was very turfy, I could see that. Really, she just distinguishes between... Well, she she puts a fine point on biological females or cis women versus trans women and saying that they are different and that they there's different spaces for them, which is... I don't know. Some people think that's anti-trans. It's definitely turfy, though. Um, I don't think she... Turfy being uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Yes, yes. For those uh, who aren't familiar. I don't 
necessarily think she wants harm to come to trans people. I don't think it's that level of transphobic. I think it's more she just talks about trans people in a way that's not very consistent with trans politics. I mean, this has been on the gay agenda for a long time. Actually, yeah. ever since she made her first statement, mm -hmm. uh, essentially, you know, uh, yeah, ever since she made her first statements on this, Every time there is any actor who's been anywhere near a Harry Potter movie, yeah. stand still long enough, someone has asked them about J.K. Rowling and trans representation. Yeah. And some actors have aired on one side, some have aired on the other side. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hot potato, One or two have said, I'm just an actor, I accepted the role before, before all this started. Yeah. I yeah. shouldn't have an opinion. Most, most so. of them, like Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter himself, yeah. said that uh, people are who they are and, yeah. and is very much uh, on the side of trans women and women. Mm -hmm. um, and also, by extension, trans men and men. Mm -hmm. That all being said, yes. a lot of the people who... I mean, they've gone to ridiculous lengths, like rebinding the Harry Potter books to take her name off it, yeah. which involves buying the book in the first place. So the question was, yeah. how do I engage with this game yeah. without giving J.K. Rowling, who I find, you know, personally repugnant mm -hmm. uh, in this scenario, uh, you know, how do I play the game without giving her my money? Well, it's, for me, the issue is that there's just been this escalation in a lot of activist circles. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll deal with your thing first. Um, first of all, I think she's actually not accepting any royalties for this. I think it's all being directed towards charities. So uh, not necessarily uh, trans charities, but I think it's going... She, I, from what I understand, she's not making any money on this. And and I would like to point out that this is not me being forgetful or something. They have keep, kept a lid on what's happening with... Uh, her share of the royalties because of, of course there would be she yeah. owns the copyright she, she owns the idea of Hogwarts mm -hmm. and, and many of the spells like it's all her IP yeah you know what I mean it's like uh, if we decided that we didn't like George Lucas and wanted to buy Star Wars films mm -hmm. like it would just you'd, you'd have to which is actually what happened yeah but. you'd have to navigate <laughs> that carefully um, it is important to note that she had no creative control in the game mm -hmm. uh, the game created tried to read the tea leaves mm -hmm. I say read the tea leaves what they were actually doing is reacting to some very early pushback okay. um, and they introduced an openly trans character I think one of the barkeeps in uh, Hogsmeade is an openly trans character but even beyond that I mean Matt Stone and Trey Parker who created South Park and a bunch of live action movies as well they made their own video games. When they were writing it, they when they were finished it, they ran they ran it past a bunch of uh, test players, and all of them said, "This is what is this? This is weird." So they actually got a, a professional video game writer on board because Matt Stone and Trey Parker learned the hard way that writing a video game is not the same way as writing a TV show or a movie. And there were a lot of people concerned that because of the way that J.K. Rowling's movie scripts turned out with the Fantastic Beasts, yeah, a lot of people yeah. were saying like there was a good story in there, but it. It, she wrote it as if it were a book and not like it was a screenplay, well, which I, is a bit different. I went to go see The Cursed Child, mm -hmm. which was J.K. Rowling's, uh, not screenplay, uh, theatrical work, okay. uh, which is sort of set uh, after the time of uh, the books. Okay. Um, and, you know, I gave her some of my money to go see that. Well, mm -hmm. rather, my, I think my mother did, because mm -hmm. uh, I think she bought the tickets. Um 
where was I going with this? But it was it was fantastic. Mm. But some of the early feedback for this video game is that there's a lot of standing in front of portraits as they talk at you. Yes. <laughs> like there is like the narrative uh, can be a little bit slow, but broadly speaking, I've only heard great things yeah, about this game so far. Um probably going to pick it up myself. Mm -hmm. I know people who have already been playing it uh, and uh, have said great things. This game, however, has kind of become a bit of a breaking point in the relationship between the broader community and activism because some of the dialogue around it is if you buy this game, play this game, or watch somebody else enjoy this game, then you want all trans people on Earth to die horribly. And it's just I mean, like... That is a ridiculous exaggeration. I, nope, there are people who are actually saying that, that it is the height of transphobia and you are causing harm and death to people by engaging with this game. And it's the same as, like, with some of the Hollywood movies that came out, if you don't spend $20 on my movies, then you hate all black women and, and wish harm upon them. Or if you don't spend $20 and watch my movie, then you don't want women in the workplace. And it's just this gross exaggeration that keeps happening again and I, again. I get it, but I think that there is something to be said about our collective impact. If collectively, as a group, we continue to consume J.K. Rowling's material... Uh, and, you know, is there is there any repercussion to that? If, as a group, collectively, we continue to mm -hmm. not uh, purchase and engage with black filmmakers yeah. and, and further starve the industry, then are we, as a broader group, mm. partly, you know, part of the problem? Well, failing to promote black cinema is not the same as improving the lives of people who live in impoverished communities. It's really, if you're promoting black cinema, what you're doing is improving the lives of black millionaires in Hollywood. I so mean, there is this disconnect between the political message and the reality, the boots on the ground reality and people like the online spaces, all the social media platforms that I've seen are starting to say like, I think I have to give up on this. Like, if I want to promote trans people, promote trans people. I don't think playing Hogwarts is going to cause physical harm to anyone. Like, maybe you're, you're promoting somebody who is... Or promoting the products of a person who has become distanced from a thing. And, and I don't know, there's a lot of people who are... They feel politically exhausted. And mm. Hogwarts Legacy especially, there's been just this attitude of... I don't think I can take this anymore. I'm just going to enjoy the game. Um, or... I, I don't know, a lot of people kind of bring it back to the, the all-female remake of Ghostbusters when that came out, and they said, if you don't like this... Then... I quite like that remake. I, I, I enjoyed that one. I couldn't get past the first five minutes. Well, you missed <laughs> the, the good minutes that were past the first five. So. It was... Um, but still, just this idea of, like, you're allowed to like or not like a movie. It doesn't have to represent mm -hmm. anything. It doesn't have to have a greater symbolism to broader society. And in the end, it's a movie. Um, there have been movies that have changed things. So, like, famously, uh, Philadelphia, star starring Tom Hanks, did have a huge turning point in the HIV rights movement, also the gay rights movement. Um, but a lot of these movies, when you look at them, like, I don't know what Wakanda is going to do for crime and food deserts in inland Chicago. Like, it's... Yeah, I, don't I actually didn't much appreciate that movie. I think it struggled narratively compared to <laughs> the first one. But, I mean, like, what 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 is that going to do? You know, policy is going to change things. Mm -hmm. Active, well, 
boots on the ground, like grassroots activism, getting out there, doing community events, but that's going to change things. I think sometimes the discourse and the dialogue is important. Like, for example, with the new Avatar film that came out, yeah. everyone's like, this is a Cowboys and Indians movie. Mm-hmm. Where the, the 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 blue people are the indigenous, mm-hmm. and it's just a rehash on that broad big idea. Um, and when you hear that collectively indigenous communities in many parts of the world mm-hmm. are like, I don't want to engage with this. I think there are some people who are like, do I want to spend twenty dollars to see another blue people movie? Yeah, knowing that it's getting such a rough road. Um, and people turned away. And likewise, right now with Netflix, assuming that with their password sharing crackdown, that we're mm-hmm. all just going to go, oh, well, well, if I want to watch season three of Blacklist, I probably need to go get a $20 account. And, and the answer is no. Like mm-hmm. people, are, people individually have very little sway over multi-million dollar organizations like Netflix mm-hmm. or... Um, Whoever did Avatar, I want to say James Cameron, yeah, um, or J.K. Rowling. Like I have very little impact on any of these people. Mm-hmm. However, I can choose where I spend my money. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I can choose whether or not I'm going to give it to Netflix, or if I'm going to give it to James Cameron, or if I'm going to give it to J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. or if I'm going to go and buy, uh, you know, Stack TV and watch Adult Swim instead. You know, like I can. That's the choice that people have. Mm-hmm. And I think that these debates really present more than one side to, yeah, these, yeah. to these arguments. But if you went ahead and bought <coughs> this game, does that make you a transphobe? I don't necessarily think so. I, at, the most you could say is that you're indifferent. Yeah. And yeah. indifference is better than causing harm. It's but not is it as complicit? As... Are we complicit in J.K. Rowling by buying into this game? I mean, I don't think so. I I'm I don't know. Like I am also, by the way, in case you couldn't tell, a little politically exhausted around some of this stuff. So, same thing with um, what was the the Billy Eichner movie that came out? Gay bros. Yeah, gay bros that just bombed. And I mean, it, I just, it didn't, it seemed too crass and, and it has the kind of comedy that Billy Eichner is all about. And mm. I'm just not remotely about that. I can take Billy Eichner in little, he used to do three set, three minute segments. And that mm. is the correct amount of Billy Eichner. Yes. It, that's a fantastic amount of Billy Eichner. And then beyond that, you're like, oh, choose a channel. So it was like that bombed, not because of homophobia, but because the script looked weak. The comedy looked crass, and people just weren't interested. Yeah. Whereas Brokeback Mountain was award-winning, had famous actors in it, everybody went to see it, it was genre-changing. Maybe they could have gotten an actual gay man in the role, but in the end, like, it did well because it was done well. Mm -hmm. And if it bombed or if it succeeded, I mean, another one that bombed was, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, if you remember that one. It bombed because it looked crass and terrible. So yeah. it wasn't because of homophobia. It just looked like bad writing. So I suspect that this Hogwarts game is going to continue to do well. Yes. Um, there are already people talking about, for example, the, the subtitle, or not the subtitles, the, the text in the Russian translation of the game mm-hmm. uh, has a lesbian couple refer to her wife as a friend. Okay. So people, people are zeroing in 
on on it with such scrutiny, mm-hmm. you know, that could have been a mistranslation. It could be a typo. I think we need to... Games are supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think there is an important spot for a discussion around, are you endorsing the views of the creator by buying a product? I think this product is far enough removed from J.K. Rowling. It was made by entirely different people. Yeah, and they have seen and heard these responses Mm -hmm. that uh, I feel like this is not complicit or endorsing. It's also not going away. They specifically designed it for. Uh, I think they refer to it as a ten-year cycle. So if you remember, if you remember Skyrim, and they just kept coming out with more and more DLCs and add-ons and whatnot. People are still playing Skyrim because there's so much to do in that game. They deliberately designed the Hogwarts game so that over the next ten years they would continuously add on to it and that it would have high replay value. So it's not going away. Mm-hmm. If it does well at all, it's not going away. Well, and the same could be said for J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. All right, we are going to jump to our next track, which is by Lights. Uh, and this is Sparky. And we will be back just after this. Try me now, you know I've been waiting for you. Sleepless now, cause I can't get myself down. Mm-hmm. It's three in the morning and I'm coming in hot Back in the city 
Hello and welcome back to Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. And, uh, okay, so we were talking about uh, people attempting to do better and, 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 you know, in terms of being more socially conscious. And one thing that has backfired a little bit Mm -hmm. is uh, Sam Smith presented a, a unique challenge, not necessarily a unique challenge, but presented a challenge to the Brit Awards, which mm-hmm. is the British version of the Grammys. Right. In that Sam Smith identifies as non-binary. Right. So the Best Male Artist or the Best Female Artist Award uh, suddenly was no longer applicable because uh, Sam Smith did not identify as either one of those. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they merged the two together. Yeah. And now it is the Best Artist of the Year Award. Right. Last year it went to Adele, mm-hmm. first time that the award went out. But this year it went to Harry Styles. I mean, that's fine. Harry Styles is on a bit of a, a rocket course in popularity right now. But the critique was that there was not a single female nominee in mm-hmm. the Best Artist Award for the Brit Awards. Yes. The the, the introduction... Actually, um, I think... A lot of that was driven by Dolly Parton because Nashville had no acknowledgement whatsoever for female country western singers. Then along comes Dolly Parton, who revolutionized everything, incredibly popular on TV, no ability to win awards because they just never did anything. So they actually created a separate category for female artists so that they would never be neglected again. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that it started with the country western awards, but I do believe that she kind of launched that idea of it's very important to specifically acknowledge female artists because if you don't, they probably may not be acknowledged. And um, you don't want to miss out on people like Dolly Parton, you know? Uh, so I think I see where you're going now, that when they merge the two, they, they drop the female category and they may risk having, like, way yeah. fewer... Well, in this case, none. None, yeah. yeah. And I, I think this is going to be a very much an eye-opener for the Brit Awards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there is something to be said about a combined category that is the best of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, that assumes it's a level playing field. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I and I and maybe I'm not as convinced that it is. Well, it goes through periods. I mean... Again, if you look at the history of um, country music, which uh, I'm sure not all of our audience is familiar with, it goes through periods where, if you look at the charts, it's about 50-50 male and female. So in the 90s, you had Shania Twain, you had Reba McIntyre, you had a whole bunch of big... Cher. In the country western? Oh, I see. (laughs) I thought you were just referring to the 90s in general. No, no, no. In the 90s in country western, you had a lot... Oh, uh, Katie Lang. A lot of people Mm. forget that she started off as a honky-tonk party country music. Before she had all of her cravings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then it, in the sort of two thousands, it went back to like bro western. So it goes through cycles. In mm. the seventies, there was a lot of female artists as well, and it kind of goes through cycles where it's about fifty fifty or like just it's dude music. Um, and it that cycle over time, it does always come back, but you do go through periods where where women are just not acknowledged in country western. I think. If this is something that happens with a frequency that is identifiable, then they should have known better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that is a fair and robust critique. Mm -hmm. I want to move us along a little bit. 
anyone who has signed up with the LGBTQ travel company uh, Atlantis Events, okay, uh, going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, uh-huh. had a bit of a surprising email uh, earlier this week. Royal Caribbean and Atlantis Events are rightly concerned, and I, this is a little bit ch- tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. ha-ha, snicker-snicker, but they are rightly concerned, and I'm going to start with the actual issue, that uh, the the cruise ship, the vendors, the staff, other patrons in these facilities uh, are being recorded uh, and then uh, either identifiable information, such as their names or, or what have you, or their faces are being released um, on social media channels and or websites. Mm-hmm. Now, they have essentially asked that uh, nobody film uh, uh, gentleman cinema mm-hmm. uh, I use gentleman cinema here with mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, quotation marks adult content adult content yes um, you know on their cruises because apparently these gay cruises have had a few well I'm sure they've had many viral moments but they've had a few viral moments in terms of video content that has uh, spread um, uh, amongst uh, various sites, mm-hmm. let's say. And they've said, look, if you're posting it to a website that's behind a paywall, uh, which is only for enthusiasts, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, I th- you know it, it's the, still the same issue here, is that there are vendors, the ship itself, mm-hmm. other passengers who are being caught in the background in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and it's not, uh, it's not appropriate. I don't know. If I was on a gay cruise, first of all, that would be, I think, fun for a very short amount of time. Uh, but if I was on a gay cruise and then suddenly discovered, whilst perusing Gentleman Cinema, that I was in the background shot mm-hmm. of uh, of some activity, um, I, I feel like I would be annoyed that, I ha- that you know, it happened without my consent and that I wasn't invited. Um, but, you know, how would you react to, to a situation you like that? You didn't get your royalties. I didn't get my royalties. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic, if you're out in public, you're in public and people can take your picture. But is a cruise ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean a public space? That is... Or is the entire ship private? Yeah, that is that is a thing. Um... I mean, the other thing you could say is if, if that is the case, then they, they don't want that being done in there. Or, or actually, if it is a private space, then they could just say you can't film there. Well, I think they want to be respectful of what you do in your own quarters. Uh, you know, if you're playing backgammon with your with your closest friends, then that's up to you. On a boat? If, well, you know, things happen. I wouldn't um, play a game with dice that... Oh, Backgammon between quotation marks. Yes. Okay. I yes. See, yes. Thank okay. you. You've caught up. I see. So, <laughs> yeah. If you're playing a game of backgammon, mm-hmm. uh, in I don't know why I picked the most old man game I could think of there, but there, there we go. That would be Moncala. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you're playing a game of charades mm-hmm. uh, in your in your suite mm-hmm. uh, with some of your many closest friends, mm-hmm. um, that that I think they're turning a bit of a blind eye to, as yeah. long as it's not 
You know, as long as it doesn't have Royal Caribbean in giant text behind the background. Yeah. You know, like a like an ad placement. I think that they're broadly speaking, you know, thinking, you know, whatever you do there is fine. But they the statement said, while and I quote, while we want everyone to have fun, there are limits. And so we ask that you be respectful of our all our guests mm-hmm. and our cruise partners. Uh, and it goes on to say, please do not post anything explicitly sexual on social media in a public forum or other online space. And it mm-hmm. also goes on to say, any guest who posts or publishes an explicit and publicly visible photo or video will be asked to leave the ship with no refund. So at the very least, you should wait until you get back to dock, uh, as it were. Yeah, they're going to um, drop you off at the first port. I mean, really, these seamen are not messing around. No. That's really the moral of the story here. Yeah. Well, we will keep an eye on uh, on how that develops. But uh, if you have a cruise booked, make sure that you have everyone's consent to be photographed or filmed. I'm not that interested in disappointing buffet and dolphins. I like dolphins, but I don't know about disappointing buffet. But does dolphins do it enough to overwhelm... To overcome a disappointing buffet? No. Oh. No. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll ever go on a cruise. I don't think that's for me. I just don't think that's for me. Yeah. Especially yeah. not a gay cruise. Yeah. Yeah, because then the, the buffet is probably really going to be disappointing. This is true. Yeah. Well, you know what's not disappointing ever? Eurovision. Uh, they've announced the semi-finalists. Disappointment is the only guarantee. Whoever you want to win is going to come in second, guaranteed. Yeah, or third. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we will be, they've announced the semi-finalists, Serbia, Sweden, Latvia, Ireland, Moldova, Switzerland, Norway, Israel, Portugal, Netherlands, Croatia, Finland, Azerbaijan, Malta, and the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Azerbaijan back in the mix. They have really out there ones. They always do well, but never get good scores like they always have tracks that are like what are they doing in Azerbaijan that their music is so good but they never win Ireland is also looking pretty oh, strong yeah. and then a... we they also in the other semi-final have Albania Australia Armenia Cyprus Romania Austria Denmark Lithuania San Marino okay uh, Belgium Slovenia Iceland Georgia don't see much of Georgia Greece Poland and Estonia did Moldova make the list? I missed that. No, Mold- no Moldova did. Yeah, first okay, semi-final. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, Moldova's in there. Okay. They have great stuff. They, they well, I mean, they, they're very memeable. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. Epic Sax guy is from Moldova. Yeah. I feel like San Marino is just like, there's like 20 people on the island and they take turns to compete in Eurovision. You're, you're thinking like, of Iceland. I'm thinking of San Marino. Isn't it a tiny <laughs> island in the Mediterranean? I think, isn't San Marino kind of like Monaco, where it's tightly packed, high population? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of Iceland. Yeah. Um, then... Iceland, Iceland, they just draw lots, and uh, they, they they randomly assign the, the role of Eurovision to some yeah, yeah. citizen, and there's yeah, a 50-50... Yeah, it's a bingo. Well, if yeah. you win, you're going to be in Eurovision. And there's a 50-50 chance that they're going to be a musician anyway, because yeah, it's a country is... of musicians. It's true, yeah. yeah. Either that, or they throw like a, a, like a ball in the air, and whoever it lands on becomes the next Eurovision contestant. Like a wedding bouquet? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, obviously, joining them is the UK, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, as well as Ukraine, who won it last year. Mm-hmm. It is being held in Liverpool, United Kingdom, uh, as, of course, the Ukraine is currently being invaded by Russia. Right. So, very difficult to host a 
global music competition mm -hmm. whilst you're actively being invaded. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, other quick roundup of good news that we saw. Uh, the Netherlands has been voting on amending its constitution to, uh, to ban discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation and disability. They haven't done that yet? Uh, it's probably one of those oversights. Mm. Slovenia became the first Eastern European country to recognize same-sex marriage. Finland has introduced gender recognition laws uh, based on self-declaration. I mentioned before that Ireland, uh, New Zealand and many others, this is the same kind of law that mm -hmm. Scotland tried to introduce. Mm -hmm. Hong Kong passed a landmark ruling on gender affirmation uh, surgery uh, as not being a requirement for legal gender recognition. So okay. you don't need surgery in Hong Kong anymore to, to be recognized. Sri Lanka has decided to work on decriminalizing homosexuality. Oh. Um, and uh, the, uh, pro the state of New York, oh sorry, New York City House Commissioner has declared an end to MPOX or monkeypox. And when we looked, there have been maybe two or three cases a month in the whole country uh, since October in Canada. So it very much looks like the MPOX, monkeypox uh, virus outbreak in Canada has been thoroughly defeated. Uh, bearing in mind that last June it was up to 28 a day almost. Like it was, it was, you know, pretty, pretty substantial. But there have been almost nothing since. That's been a whole swath of good news. Yes. And we will continue to monitor it as we move forward. Uh, we're going to be playing out with The Old Me by Rhea May. I've been Dick Smith. And I've been Sebastian. Thank you for listening. I can feel your eyes, feel your eyes on me. I could win awards for pretending. Ask me how I've been and I hold my